0: Hey, and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, President at Blast Media, and as always, I will be both your host and bartender today. Well, back in 2021, I had an incredible conversation with Rachel Hepworth, who is the head of marketing at Notion. We talked about adding a growth marketing function into a PLG brand, and today... We are pulling that episode off of the shelf and bringing it to you again. Why do you ask? Well, it's because PLG is back in the news in a big way with outlets like TechCrunch and analyst firms like Gartner examining the strategies that make PLG companies strong in a recession and figured we'd pull it back out of the vault and draw a couple of lines between that conversation and where we are today. So please join me in enjoying one of our top listened to episodes in SaaS half full history with Rachel Hepworth of Notion.
1: It's all about this focus on data and experimentation and sort of the full funnel. So you're not focused on any one stage, you're not focused on top of funnel or visitors, you're not focused on upgrades, you're focused on sort of powering the entire business. Welcome back to SaaS Half
0: Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsey Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. I sat down with Rachel Hepworth, the co-marketing lead at SaaS company Notion, who is fresh off their Series C round of funding. Congrats to them. Rachel was kind enough to join me for a cocktail today to talk through how to create a growth marketing engine at your company. So she entered Notion. It's a product-led growth company that truly had grown on community, content, comms alone, and didn't really have a growth marketing function. So Rachel was brought in to start that with her co-marketing lead and talking us through all of the components that fall under that and also where to start. Uh, In Rachel's instance, they literally had no data. What a nightmare. And so walk through how to start with a data department. So grab a drink, relax, and join me as I chat with Rachel Hepworth.
1: Hey, Rachel. Welcome to SaaS Half Full. Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
0: We are excited to have you on the show today. We've been trying to get you scheduled for a long time. Glad it's finally happening. Where are you sitting today? I know you're in your office. Where's your office located?
1: Yeah, we're located in the Mission. Our founder is very attached to this neighborhood in San Francisco. He loves the vibe. So we just moved offices, but stayed in the same neighborhood. Nice. Are you a uh, native of that area? No, I used to live in San Francisco, but now I've suburbanized myself to the East Bay, but I'm just a hop across the bridge.
0: It happens. That's for sure. Uh, well, I am sitting in Indianapolis. Uh, I I feel like I used to be in that area all the time, uh, not so much in the last 18 months, but hoping those tricks, trips will become more regular again. Uh, well, we had originally shipped Rachel a cocktail kit with a very fancy name. I wrote it down here. It was the Soulful, as in Seoul, Korea Sour Kit. And I understand you were in the office. You do not have the kit with you. Have you had a chance to mix that up
1: yet? No, I unboxed it, and then I got intimidated, and I reboxed it again, but it's on my shelf for when I feel particularly adventurous.
0: Yes, it definitely comes with all of the accoutrements, all the things that you need to make it. It is fancy indeed. I, for once, am home actually doing this interview, so I mixed up a Moscow Mule, which is one of my favorites. It is. You guys can't see it, but it is here in a copper mug, so I am excited, and that it's 4 o'clock Eastern. Sometimes I do these, Rachel, when it's like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and it's <laughs> aggressive to have a cocktail, but I will do it because I stay true to the process. Well, Rachel, excited to have you. Rachel is the co-marketing lead at software company Notion, and Rachel is relatively new to the organization, and one of the things that she wanted to, to talk about today was how to create a growth marketing engine for a company that traditionally had been driven by organic or some would say maybe word of mouth growth, where it was growing on its own, but needed the injection of some additional effort. So that's growth marketing, that's infusing product marketing, and then layered on top of that, also understanding how to move into enterprise as a company that traditionally, in your words, was a bit more consumerized, and how you have now structured the growth marketing engine and and putting all the pieces together to move upstream. That's going to be very applicable for our audience, regardless of size. We have many, many listeners who either have already made that leap or are considering making it. So that insight will be very valuable. But before we dive in, Rachel, I want to give our listeners an understanding a little bit more just about you. If you could talk to us about your uh, current role at Notion, so what you're responsible for, and then give us an idea of what Notion is. Why does the company exist?
1: So I joined Notion in January, and the company is it's a really interesting company and business. And one of the reasons I joined is because they were doing things in such an untraditional way. So my marketing partner, Camille, who was the original marketer on the team, built up this incredible engine at the top of the funnel. So really heavily based on community, content, comms, and Notion had built this amazing ecosystem of creators and individuals who just loved the product and really evangelized it. And what they hadn't built up are the more traditional sides of marketing that are traditionally the first functions to be created. So that's product marketing marketing. That's growth marketing or demand gen, marketing operations, sales enablement. None of these things existed, which was really intriguing because you had this business that was exploding without any of the support systems that you normally find behind it. And while that's great, that probably will only last for so long. Eventually, you have to kind of bring in these functions. Um, They do exist for a reason. And so I kind of came in to build up the side of the business because that's what I've done throughout my career. And I started by kind of focusing on the product marketing and the the growth marketing teams.
0: Tell us about the product. What does Notion do?
1: It's really a collaborative workspace. It's a place where users can plan their projects, they can execute on them. And then what makes it different from a typical project management tool is that it's also a place where you can record that work those decisions that information as kind of a central hub for your teammates and company so it becomes this repository of knowledge as well as the place that you get work done so it combines the activity and kind of the insights in one cohesive tool
0: yeah and the power of the product has been validated most recently coming off a funding round last week congratulations and what was your journey into b2b SaaS? how did you land in this space
1: I would love to say that it was a strategic goal that I cleverly walked my way into, but the reality is it was quite random. I like to joke that I was the lowest paid person graduating from Stanford when I graduated. I basically held a series of jobs that were not very satisfying and kept looking for something that would be more challenging, more fulfilling. And I landed at this very tiny startup, Series A. I was the 11th person on the team selling, of all things, weather insurance. And I spent a couple years there, honestly, just learning what marketing was. I feel like the company paid me to learn on their dime. And very typical startup, clever idea, hadn't validated it in the market, lots of challenges, major pivots needed to be made. But it ended up being very successful, partly because we figured out who our audience was. We figured out How to reach them, what channels were appropriate, and how to sell. It was really a go to market challenge, um, more than a product challenge for that company. And it ended up being sold to Monsanto for about a billion dollars. So it was a great learning experience for me. I went to business school knowing that I love technology marketing. And I came out saying, I want to experience this at scale. I've done the startup, I want to do a company that kind of has volume, lots of data. And I went to LinkedIn to sort of learn what functional expertise was. And really there, I focused on product marketing. And that was sort of the start of my SaaS marketing journey. And then I was lucky to land at great companies like Slack and now at Notion to really continue like, learning best-in-class SaaS marketing.
0: Yeah. You have, you have boomerang back into startup scale-up world.
1: Yes. I keep going back and forth because the challenges of a startup are really exciting. And the scale of operating as they grow is also very exciting. So there are different challenges at every stage.
0: All right, well, let's dive in. I do want to start with how you define growth marketing. As I always do, went to the Google and uh, typed in growth marketing. And boy, do we get a lot of different responses and definitions. Similar words, but I wouldn't say that there is one clear cut definition. So just to level set, I want to get your definition of growth marketing.
1: When I think about growth marketing and how it's different from other marketing functions and disciplines, I really think it's all about this focus on data and experimentation and sort of the full funnel. So you're not focused on any one stage. You're not focused on top of funnel or visitors. You're not focused on upgrades. You're focused on sort of powering the entire business. And what that means will depend on the company you're at and the strategy and how that company goes to market. You have to adopt what you mean, depending on the situation in which you find yourself. So for some companies, this might be about driving visitors to the website. For others, it might be about focused on activation, working with the product team. And for others, it's about partnering with sales. But in all of that, it's about experimentation and using data to inform how you're going to scale up your business versus some other parts of marketing that are a little bit more focused on the art of marketing, I would say, or things that are harder to measure, like messaging.
0: Yeah, so things that fall under that brand side that are harder to measure like PR. I mean that's that's where we live. So you came into Notion and there was a marketing leader who was focused on more of that community comms brand side and it sounds like that engine had been built well and that was was running well. Tell us what was what wasn't there. What was missing?
1: Well, One thing that was missing was data, not just for marketing, but for the company in general. I think this is typical of many startups, but they often start through an insight of the founder and are driven initially a lot through intuition, just really kind of having this intuitive understanding of what the space of the market needs and then building a product that just really resonates with that target audience. And that, if you're lucky, that works spectacularly well in the early stages, as it did for Notion. And then inevitably, as a company scales, you have to grow the audience you're talking to, you have to grow the complexity of the product, and you have to grow how you go to market, like the complexity and the number of channels that you use. And intuition starts to fail, and you need to be informed more by data and sort of qualitative research-driven insights than by gut feel. And I think that's the stage notion is in now where we've scaled out of that intuition stage. There's still room for it, but it can't be the only thing driving the business. So we had to build up things like data and understanding. If you send an email, is anybody opening it? If people are coming to your website, who are the people? If folks are starting new teams at Notion, are how many of them stick around past the first week? Like None of this was being recorded and the questions weren't really being asked. And so That's not something that only growth marketing needs to do, but it certainly was part of the drive and push to gather more data and be more data informed and not be afraid that we're going to make poor short-term decisions by data, which is something I think a lot of early stage startups fear is that they'll lose the art when they add in the numbers, but we should be able to use both and make each one better for it, like use both pieces of information.
0: And I want to focus on that data piece of it because you say, well, we had to build the data, which is a really big thing to do. And some marketers would march in that situation and be like, we're not even tracking open rates on emails. Are you freaking kidding me? And then realizing that that also trickles to current customers as well and who is sticking around. That's a big, big problem to tackle. Where do you start then with something like that? So if you realize that there is not a data engine that exists, how do you build it? Did you build it or did you focus on, you know, one area first? What tools did you purchase and add to the stack? Just how did you boil that down and say this is where I'm starting to get this to solve this problem?
1: You have to do all the things. There are some things that should be done first. I would say I did not build this myself independently. There's a whole group of people who are focused on this. We have now a data team, which is relatively new to Notion, but is doing wonderful work. We have a data engineering team, as well as a data scientist team. We're starting to actually log things in the product so that when people take action in the product, we record that it happened and can kind of use it to crunch some numbers. And we brought in more tooling. So some of the tooling is things around performance marketing, around our email tooling. We just brought in Marketo. We're adding in Google Analytics. So tooling is important, but tooling is only as good as the data you feed into it. So the core data infrastructure of your company is really important. You know, what are those basic data tables that you have? Like if people asked you, how many customers do we have? How many people created a team last week? Can you answer that question? And oftentimes the answer is no. You have to go build that very foundational Data. So, for my role in this, a lot of this is just flagging what's missing and what people need and why they need it. So, giving people the context, not just I need to know how many people created a team, but I need to know how many people created a team so that we can then do X, Y, or Z. Like, this is what I'm going to actively use this information for. And that's very important to educate the company because some of the people working on the data are not the ones who are then going to use the end results. So, they need to understand why their efforts are really important to the success of the company. It is a really big ask. You don't start out by just saying, let's fix data, because that can take you. That job is never done. So it's more about what are the pieces that are most crucial to know now, and what are the pieces that we can wait on a few months? So some pieces that might be crucial now would be for Notion, in particular, that has a freemium funnel, how many people hit the website, how many create a team, how many of those teams have more than one person on them, because we are a collaborative Products. So, if their teams of one, they're probably getting less value than they could be. Six months from now, how many of those teams still have a visitor in a week? So, some of the very, very basic points in the funnel that you need to understand the health of that funnel, where the drop off is occurring, and where you should focus your efforts.
0: Did you uncover that many of the users were a like a one person team who really weren't the ideal target for it, and then you were able to adjust? Who we're marketing to and why?
1: What's really interesting and unique about Notion is that although I think the full value comes from using it collaboratively, it does have value that can be experienced in what we call single player mode. This is quite different from my time at Slack, where Slack really does not work. A Slack team of one, I always said was a lonely, dull place. Notion you really can use as a single person, it's just you're not getting as much value out of it as you could. So we would like people to potentially experience it as an individual, because the friction is very low to just try it yourself, and then hopefully see enough value that then they invite people that they are working with to turn it into a more collaborative experience. One of the things we discovered that was really interesting, for instance, is that the bulk of the account creation was single-player account creation. And then if you looked at the flow of how you create a team, we give you the option, do you want to use this for yourself or do you want to use this with others? And we gave people the option of using it themselves first. Like that was the first option. And people who've worked in growth product or growth marketing know that whatever the first option is becomes the default by choice. So when we were looking at the data, we just then said, well, what would happen if we flipped the order of these? Uh, This is not rocket science, but you do have to go in and actually pay attention and look at the data And it increased team creation double digits. And again, this is not a difficult experiment. And it's not a surprising result. It took us until this past year to to run it. It's not always obvious when you have 10,000 other things to do at a startup. So that's where kind of looking at the data can really help inform where you should pay attention.
0: It sounds really basic. I do think it's important, though, to underline that. For the early stage marketers that are listening, I want to just re-highlight that. Typically, the first choice that you give a customer is the choice that they will choose. So if that is
1: not your desired choice, flip the
0: order and see what happens.
1: (laughs) And there are some interesting things that if you've done this many times, you can predict and then you want to measure. And if you are newer to it, you might not realize that you should look for. So one thing that you care about in a freemium product is not just how many new accounts are created because the friction is very low. But if people are actually actively using those accounts? Because you monetize people later after they've gotten some value. And so the more you reduce the friction early in the funnel, the lower the percentage of people who will what we call activate and monetize later because they didn't have to do that much work up front. So they didn't self-select into this group that was very, very high intent to use your product. So when we did this experiment and saw an increase in team creation, the first thing I would predict is we're going to see activation fall because we've just led a lot of like lower intent people into creating team accounts. And that's exactly what we saw. And that wasn't necessarily a problem. It's expected, but then your next step is, okay, how do I keep these people engaged and get the activation rate back up for all of these new team creators that we didn't have? So that's something that You see it at every company, like this is a very expected result, but it will point you to what your next job will be in the growth funnel.
0: And we do have listeners who sell into enterprise. They're they're either enterprise marketers themselves and or who sell into enterprise. And they might be saying, well, it's easy to be community led and brand led and organic when you're a product led growth company and have a freemium product. But that is not my world. I'm, I'm selling very long sales cycle, large deals that a community can't drive. You though are being tasked with how to to switch gears, certainly not abandon what's gotten notion to where it is, but how can we make the product available and create a enterprise value system and looking at marketing to do so and help with that so talk to us about how the marketing function is changing and how you are looking to adjust the messaging and potentially the the product itself to suit enterprise.
1: The first thing I would say is um... What's interesting is if you look at a company like Salesforce, which is signing huge deals, very enterprise centric, Salesforce is all in on community these days. And I think it's because they've understood that you can go tops down. But even for a product like Salesforce that is expensive and has quite a high barrier to set up and get value from, having those advocates, those Salesforce users, the trailblazers is a huge boost to the company. So I would kind of challenge anybody who's in a more typical enterprise company to think about how they could leverage kind of community and bottoms up advocacy in the same in a similar fashion, because I don't think it's restricted to product led growth companies, although I agree that it is easier and more obvious. For Notion, it's about recognizing in enterprises, the sales cycle is more complex and the people who may be decision makers and who may be signing those large checks are not necessarily already going to be in the Notion team like the people who are upgrading with a credit card through the self-serve funnel. So you can't only rely on wowing people through the product because those key decision makers are not actually in the product and likely won't be in the product until the decision is made to truly go wall to wall and have a, a really significant investment. So the question becomes, well, what? how do we reach these folks? If the channel is not the product, what are the channels through which we can reach these folks? What do they care about? It's probably not going to be as much about, I love how I can change a table into a calendar view or something a little bit more product-focused and tactical. They're thinking a little bit more organizationally of how is this going to create a competitive advantage for my company? How is this going to delight my employees? What other tools does this rip and replace? How does this let us move faster and be more aligned? So the messaging is very different than what you would send to the person who you want to actually create the Notion team. And so the audience and the value props and the channels are all different and you have to build a machine for them. In a perfect world, you use the product engagement and data to accelerate those enterprise conversations. So if you can go to that CIO or CTO and say we've got 150 of your employees on a Notion team logging in every day and they're shipping projects more quickly and the projects are higher quality because they're all aligned on Notion, that's a very compelling message that you wouldn't be able to have if you didn't have this kind of freemium product-led growth model. So the goal really is to combine the two, but you do have to recognize that it's a different audience and they care about slightly different things and you will not find them in the product.
0: What are some of the roadblocks that you've maybe hit in looking to message to enterprise?
1: I think a lot of it is we are scaling along with our customers. So Uh, Some of it is messaging that we understand and have the security and administrative and permissioning and all of those table stakes features that you need to roll something out to 10,000 employees, which is very different than if you're serving 50-person SMBs. The needs are just quite different. The other is helping the decision makers understand what Notion is because they haven't experienced it and the product is not, it's not like a chat product, it's not a, payment system. It's not something where they have a comparison that they can very easily understand. And they're not interested in spending four weeks tinkering in the product in order to figure out exactly what it does. So it's getting very crisp on the messaging of like, what is this tool? And what is its place in your organization? And how does it help you become more successful in your own company? Because nobody cares about a tool for the sake of the tool. They care about what it can do for them. And so that's some of what we're working on. And what we've generally seen is that Notion really helps companies move faster because alignment, especially as an organization grows, becomes a bigger and bigger pain point. And that miscommunication or lack of communication can really slow down projects and change. And so the more you can link it to those sorts of outcomes, the more compelling people find it.
0: Something else you and I talked about before we hit record is product marketing. Product marketing fall is a function that falls usually under growth marketing. That is a function that you've had to build
1: out. Yes.
0: Talk to our listeners about how to identify uh, a great product marketer.
1: One of the first things I typically ask product marketers is how they define the function. Because the funny thing about product marketing is it, it varies a lot depending on the company. But one thing that unites them is they should be really customer and user-centric. And be the voice of the customer in the market in the conversation. So how do you understand who your audience is? How do you understand their pain points? How do you understand the language they use so that you can reflect it back to them and kind of solve their problems in the most helpful ways possible? So I think that customer centricity is requirement number one for a really great product marketer. I think the other thing that really makes a great product marketer is the ability to bridge two worlds between the technical world often and kind of the sales and go to market world. And so they have to be comfortable getting in the weeds with their product partner, with their engineers, and really understand the nuts and bolts of a feature, be able to flag when they think it's not solving the true problem or the experience isn't good, but also be able to translate that to the sales and marketing teams and into consumer speak so that you're not using kind of technical jargon when it's not uh, necessary. That's
0: great advice for those that are seeking a product marketer. And I feel like there's, I see so many product marketing roles open right now is asking about with their previous employer to to tell us about the customer as opposed to the product and making sure that they understand the problems and the pain that we're solving for the customer. I feel like you, you can memorize product and you can learn product, but really understanding the nuances of the customer would be the differentiator in that situation.
1: That's right. And do they get in the weeds and talk to people? Because there's nothing that substitutes for actually having those customer user conversations. But a lot of people don't do it because it takes time and it's never something that people are asking you for in the next day. So it's being able to look into the future and understand that you got to do the work upfront to be really, really effective for the work that's coming down the pipe.
0: Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't have a chance to tackle yet?
1: I would just say... What has been fascinating for me at Notion, to be really honest, is understanding how to layer this sort of community love on top of more typical marketing notions. It's something that I haven't experienced before and I think has been really impressive at this company. And it all goes back similar to the conversation on product marketing of getting really close to your user and customer, listening, being in conversation with them. It's not a one-way megaphone. It's a two-way dialogue and how well that can serve a company, particularly in the early stages. But even to my point about Salesforce, even very mature and large companies can get a lot of benefit out of that. And so that's my next goal and challenge at Notion is figuring out how we make sure these two things don't operate in silos independently, but really become better through like the interaction of kind of community and growth.
0: Well, certainly be a fun and interesting journey for you. To being back in, in startup world. But what a great opportunity, though, to grow something the way that you want to grow it. And that's an incredible opportunity. And, and hopefully, you should have a lot of fun with that. This has been great, Rachel. I appreciate it. As I end every episode, I always ask our guests if they have a signature or a favorite toast to send us out.
1: Oh, my goodness. I never give toast. So I don't know if I can come up with one off the spur of the moment, to be totally honest. Let me think about that for a second. Yeah, I'd say in today's environment, my uh, biggest wish for everybody would just be for a healthy and safe holidays and next year.
0: Awesome. Well, I will certainly drink to that. Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate the time. Thanks again to Rachel for joining me on Sass Half Full. Loved her insights. Hopefully it was helpful to you, our lovely listeners. We had sent Rachel a soulful sour kit for her cocktail choice, And guess what? We can send you a cocktail kit straight to your door if you want it. All you have to do is head over to shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full and you'll get 10 bucks off your first cocktail kit. Really appreciate the listen. Tune in next time. Have a great day and bottoms up.